0: Let's turn our Bibles tonight to 1 Peter chapter number 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, man, isn't it good to be in the Lord's house, the Lord's awful good to us. 1 Peter chapter number 3, and I'd like to begin reading at verse number 8, and we'll read down to verse number 12, just a short portion of scripture tonight, and uh, it's what the Lord's given me, laid on my heart. 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 8, the Bible says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank for letting us gather in this place. Lord, I help me to have my heart set upon you tonight. Lord, to desire you above all else in this place. And Lord, I believe you're the most precious person here. I believe you are the the absolute power and strength that we need desperately in our lives. Lord, I think there's a lot we could miss tonight and not miss much. But if we miss hearing from you, we've missed it all. So I pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord, to seek you and to lay our hearts bare before you, to tear down any walls, just to be honest and sincere and transparent before you. Be honest with you, knowing that you already know us, Lord. We might as well just tell you the truth. Lord, I love you. I thank you for loving us. We don't deserve your love. We love you because you first loved us and and we didn't do anything to earn that love, couldn't have earned that love. But in your grace, you commended your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, I'm just eternally thankful. I'll never get it said. How thankful I am for all that you've done and for who you are. I pray that you'd have your will and way tonight in this service and that you'd be pleased in all that's said and done. Lord, I love you. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to take particular note in verse number 9 of a word that's very familiar to us. We use this word all the time. We sing about it. We talk about it. We testify about it. And that is the word blessing. It says in verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Blessing is a word that has become so abstract and nebulous as to almost be gutted of any significant meaning. The Mormon would say they're blessed. The Muslim would say they're blessed. The Buddhist would say that they're blessed. But I wonder how often the politician would say that he's blessed. <laughs> but I wonder how often we really stop to consider what it means to have a blessed life. Peter is writing to a people in exile, a people whose lives are decidedly not meeting uh, Kenneth Copeland's criteria for what a blessed life looks like. But he writes to these people, and he encourages them to see the blessing of God in their life, to be the blessing of God in another's life, and to learn how, even in the uh, midst of intense calamity and affliction, to love life. When we read these verses, there are three things that they teach us about blessings and having a blessed life. How do we have a blessed life? Well, I would say the first thing these verses teach me is that blessings are divine. Now, here's what I mean by that. I don't mean that they come from the benediction or pronunciation of some priest or some holy man. If I could figure out a way just smack you on the forehead and call you blessed, We'd line them right up out the door and I'd start smacking people. I'm looking for a reason. Amen. It doesn't come from some priest pronouncing something over you. Nor do I simply mean that blessings are divine, that they are wonderful. Of course, blessings are wonderful. But what I mean is this, that a blessed life only comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from a preacher. It doesn't come from a pastor. It doesn't come from a church. I believe in preachers, pastors, and churches. But it doesn't come from any of those things. Nor does a blessed life come from the latest best-selling book on New York Times or whatever church growth guru is is spinning on any given day. No, if we want a blessed life, we're going to have a life that comes from the Lord. He is the God of all blessing. He is the God from whom all blessings flow. If we want a blessed life, we better learn how to get a blessing from God blessings are divine but there's a second truth this passage teaches me and that's that blessings are decided upon did you notice how it's described not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing but contrariwise blessing knowing that ye are there unto called that ye should inherit a blessing now, i don't want to get into my message before i've got into my message but what he's saying if you if you want a blessing be a blessing And that tells me this, that if I want my life to be a blessed life, I have to make my mind up that my life will be a blessed life. Now, I don't do that through the power of positive thinking. I'm the most negative person you'll ever meet. I have zero confidence in any of you. (laughs) It's not through the power of positive thinking that we cultivate having a blessed disposition or mindset. It's not what I mean. What I mean is this, that God's Word prescribes a path for a life that has the favor of God upon it. And if you want your life to go better, uh, then you, by following the Lord, can have a better life. Now, that's not to suggest that even a life lived devoted unto the Lord is not touched by sorrow and suffering. And certainly the prosperity preachers would have you to believe it's the will of God that everybody by faith have a learjet. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this, how you choose to live will determine much about whether you have a life that you love or a life that you loathe. And there are a great many people walking through the earth today lamenting their poor, pitiful portion, place, and plight who really have nobody to blame but their own selves for the choices that they've made. And in your life and mine, if we want our life to be blessed by the Lord, then we can make a decision that we're going to submit ourselves to God and and do the things that God enjoins us to do to have a blessed life. But there's a third truth that's found here. This is just an introduction to my introduction, so don't get excited. I'm not done preaching. But did you notice that last phrase? Knowing that you're there unto called, he says this, that you should inherit a blessing. Now, the Holy Ghost could use any word that he had chosen to use there in that passage, but he uses the word inherit. Now, I don't know about you, but an inheritance typically falls to a person because of the death of somebody. And it reminds me of this important truth that blessings, they're divine and they're decided upon, but they come through death. And you say, whoa, preacher, that's morbid. What are you suggesting? I'm suggesting this, that if we want our life to have the blessing of God upon it, we're going to have to learn how to die to self to inherit a blessing. Christ has already died, already been nailed to the cross, already been laid in a a tomb, already got up victorious over death because He was not able to be holden of it. Uh, He's not going back to the cross in spite of what the Catholics portray to us. But I'll tell you who is going to be climbing on a cross day by day, and that's the believer that determines they want to serve the Lord and follow Him. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to die daily. And so death meaning dying to self, laying aside our ambitions, our perspectives, our desires and designs, and rather yielding to the leadership and providence and authority of God is the pathway to having a biblically blessed life. So here in these verses, he presents the prospect of a blessed life. And he begins to unpack what that means. Now what does it mean to have a blessed life? Well, I'm glad the Bible tells us. We don't have to wonder. It says in verse number 10, for he that will love life and see good days. That's a pretty good King James definition of a blessed life. Doesn't mean you never have problems. Doesn't mean that every need is always met before you even sense it or are aware of it. Doesn't mean that nobody ever hurts you, that nobody ever cuts you, that nobody ever betrays you. But I think if I could go to the end of my days, having said, hey, I loved my life and I saw good days, I'd have to rise up and say, I have been a blessed man. What can we look for in a blessed life? Well, these verses give us counsel for it. It presents two things. Number one, these verses are counsel for a pleasant life. You know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And I will tell you by learning experience and, and by witnessing in the lives of others, sin is a hard path to choose. You ever known somebody in life just like do things the hard way? seems like every, <laughs> Jordan, it seems like everybody in life, every choice they make in life, they just do it as difficult as they possibly can. I remember years ago, I, I was young and, and looking for work, and I, I got to be in a trim carpenter. I wasn't really a carpenter; they just give me a nail gun and said go. And that's why those houses you people live in are all crooked. People like me uh, did the carpentry work in them. And, and I remember, you know, the houses we were building had this floor plan where you'd have a stair set in the middle and you'd have a kitchen in the back and a dining room and then sort of, a, I don't know if they'd call it a split floor plan, but you'd come in at the front door, there'd be a room to your left, room to your right, and it'd make a big circle is what it'd do. And I remember one day the fellow that I was working for, he he grabbed me and he said, have you noticed what you do? And you know you're in trouble when somebody says that to you. <laughs> and I said, no, sir, I haven't. He said, when you come down those stairs... He said, you always take the longest possible route to get to wherever you're going. He said, if you come down those steps and the room is directly to your left, for some reason you will turn to your right and make a big circle to get into. He said, did you ever notice that? I said, no, I really hadn't ever noticed that. I started to pay attention and sure enough, I took the longest way around every single time. You know, there's a lot of people live life that way. They take the longest way around every single time the worst choices, the worst decisions. And I will tell you that in your life, if you're not careful, you'll grow to despise and hate your life. But can I tell you what the will of God is for you? It's for you to have a pleasant life. doesn't mean a life that's spotless of adversity doesn't mean a life that does not have challenges and and battles contained within it. Hey, any old grizzled warrior that has fought many battles would say, I've stood on the battlefield and I've looked the enemy in the eye, but I have loved the life that I have lived. And in your life, here's what God wants for you. He wants you to enjoy the life that He's given you. Some people have made a Christian virtue and an Olympic sport out of being miserable. And I don't believe that pleases the Lord. It doesn't mean that holiness does not sometimes demand purging and difficulty, but it does mean you ain't get no uh, you, you ain't get no uh gold stars in heaven for suffering the most uh, God's not looking down from heaven impressed by your plight, and God wants us to enjoy the life that he has given. Can I get a little help tonight on a Sunday night? God wants you to enjoy the life that he's given you. It's not it's not uh, somehow sanctified to be a miserable person. He gives us counsel for a pleasant life. God says, I want you to love life. I want you to enjoy. Uh, Your life was bought at great steep cost. Why would God want us to just be miserable the whole way through? Not only for a pleasant life, but for a peaceful life. He says this, for he that will love life and see good days. You ever had any good days? I've had one or two. Just occasionally, every now and then, I'll have a good one. You've met people like that, haven't you? How's things going? Terrible, awful, horrible. (laughs) Can I say this? Hey, uh, God desires for us to have a peaceful life. God doesn't desire for our life to be a constant tornado of conflict, angst, anxiety, and terror. God wants His people to have a peaceful life. You'll find this to be a constant theme, both Old and New Testament that one of the things that God's people, that God desires for him is peace. Peace be upon you. Peace be upon you. Peace unto you over and over and over and over again. Everywhere the Lord's presence is, the Lord's peace is. He wants us to have a peaceful life. So here's the question. How do we do that? I don't know about you. I I can I can see the goal and, and I can appreciate it. But you say, preacher, I don't know how to get there. Well, it's a good thing our Bible teaches us how. And shows us four things we can do to enjoy our life. Four things we can do. A fifth is don't invite your mother-in-law over. But a four things that you can do to enjoy the life that God has given you. I want you to notice them with me tonight and then we'll be done. Look at verse number 10 with me. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Preacher, how can I enjoy the life that God's given me? Preacher, I've been miserable lately. I don't want to be miserable. I want to enjoy the life that God has given me. Preacher, how can I do that? Number one, you've got to learn how to suppress the treachery of the tongue. You know who has a hard time in life? People that can't keep their mouths shut. You know who has a rough time in life? People that don't learn how to master their tongue. Ah, this is one of the things you learn uh very often when you first enter the workforce, is that the boss don't think you're as cute as your friends are. When you make smart aleck comments, you find out real quick, they got a whole line of pimple-faced kids that can step into what you're doing. And it don't take long for you to learn that if you don't learn how to keep your mouth in line, you're going to have a miserable life. You know, one of the things, and I've known people that is doing pretty good, like Peter the Apostle, and it's interesting that he's the one that the Holy Ghost had pinned this down, doing pretty good till he opened his mouth and went to say something. What does the Holy Ghost mean here? Well, there's two things that are involved in this. Number one, he says this, refrain from a critical tongue. He says, let him refrain his tongue from evil. What does he mean by that? Does he merely mean profanity or vulgarity? Well, I'll tell you this, you'll have better friends if you'll not be a vulgar person. And better friends make a better life. But I really don't think that's what the Holy Ghost has in mind here. I really think what he has in mind when he speaks of evil is evil speaking. And what he's saying is this, learn how to not use your mouth as a weapon against people. I'll tell you this, it's easy to be critical. Everybody that's critical always, I mean, inherently within the notion of criticism. And I think we ought to be critical in the sense of being a scrutinizing person. I think there are some things that are worth criticizing. Don't misunderstand me. Hey, there's some things. Part of telling the truth is telling an easy truth, but also telling a hard truth. There are times we have to criticize in our life. But has it ever dawned on you just the innate ego involved in criticism? When you voice a critical notion about something, you are implying that you are the only person in the room smart enough to notice that something's wrong. i got to tell you something, positive people, it's not that they don't see it, it's they choose to not focus on it. Oh, that's all right, I'll just do a little preaching. I enjoy doing a little preaching. Don't you enjoy listening to a little preaching? Let's just preach a little bit. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? The innate ego involved in suggesting I'm the only person that notices this problem and therefore I must sound the alarm so everyone else can know and run and hide from the terror of this problem i tell you this, if you will learn instead to populate the words of your lips with praise of God, with edification of your brethren, with encouragement to those that are discouraged. Hey, listen, you say, but preacher, if I don't point it out, nobody will point it out. Now the devil makes sure somebody points it out. Don't you worry about that. Hey, you just devote yourself. The devil ain't going to encourage nobody to praise the Lord. The devil ain't going to encourage nobody uh, to uplift one that is that is taken in a fault and to restore someone and to encourage them and to build them up in the faith. The devil is not going to have anybody do that. But I promise you, if you are I let down on the front of complaining, the devil will have somebody that will step in and do the job of complaining. See, what we have a lack of in New Testament churches, is not criticism, it's encouragement. And I know that it seems real spiritual to want to be negative all the time. And there's some people, that's their that's their spiritual gift is just uh, being negative. Amen. And uh, they think a gift of the Spirit is being a jerk. But that's not true. And I tell you this, hey, the mind of Christ. What did he spend his time doing? You say, oh, preacher. He said, he said, you generation of vipers. you, you pre- uh, Preacher, he, he said, if, if if Sodom and Gomorrah had hurt, yeah, I'm aware of that. And he said that to people that were standing in bold, open opposition against him. But to those that were discouraged, hey, to those that were disheartened, hey, whenever John the Baptist sends word and says, art thou he that should come, or should we seek another? And he said, hey, today I do these works, and tomorrow I do these works. He encouraged him in the work of the Lord. And I'll tell you, in your life, if you can learn how to refrain from a critical tongue, and it becomes addictive to be critical. You know why? Because as soon as you start criticizing, you'll find all the other people who like to criticize. And they'll encourage, one of the things that's so toxic about social media in the day that we live in, it's given everybody, not friends, but a fan club. People to clap at the worst impulses in their nature. And to make them feel as though somehow they have some supporting cast to their grievances. But I'm here to tell you, if you want, hey, you can do that and you'll have a miserable life. But if you'll learn to enjoy the Lord and enjoy God's people and rejoice in the goodness of God. And if you'll allow the critical spirit and the critical attitude to rest on somebody else and not on you, you'll have a better life for it. He tells them to refrain from a critical tongue. But then he says to refrain from a corrupt tongue. He says, and lips that they speak no guile. What does the word guile mean? It means deceit. Craftiness, that's what it means. Deceit, dishonesty. Here's what he's saying. It's hard to be a liar. Thank you. Appreciate that, Mike. I'll send you a check for that. (laughs) It's hard to be a liar. You know why? You spend all your time in utter angst-ridden anxiety wondering which lies going to catch up to you next can i tell you what gives you boldness and peace of mind is to live and walk in the truth hey there's not a single thing there's not a single thing every sin will find us out everything done in darkness will be brought into the light and i'm telling you that all you can do you want to have an enjoyable life hey don't live in deceit and deception dishonesty because if you do it'll rob you from every moment of peace that you could otherwise enjoy You'll just be waiting for the judgment of God to fall. You'll just be waiting for the for the other shoe to hit the ground all the time. And there's people that live their life never enjoying a moment's peace because they are too ensnared in the webs of lies that they have woven around others and themselves. I'll tell you what will help you a lot. Enjoy life. Get that tongue under control. Get that tongue under control. Say, oh, preacher. Hey, listen, I mean me too. Tongue is set on fire of hell. It's a dangerous thing. J. Harold Smith used to say it's the reason God put it behind the prison bars of your teeth is to try to restrain it. The tongue is a dangerous thing. Suppress the treachery of the tongue. Then there's a second thing that we can do to enjoy life. He says this in verse 11. Let him eschew evil and do good. That's very simple. But notice what he says here. First is we must suppress the treachery of the tongue. Second is we must spurn the way of the wicked. If you walk with wicked men, it will bring misery into your life. It's one of the elementary principles of counsel that Solomon gives his son in the book of Proverbs is to, to forsake wicked men and wicked ways. Hey, let, follow not after them, Solomon says. Let, let them not draw you into their company. Because wicked men, they will come along and they will draw you into their wickedness. Notice two things he says here. One, we are to separate ourselves from wickedness. That word eschew, you know what it means? It means to depart from and to separate from. It means to to isolate yourself away from and to walk away from. You say, preacher, what can I do to make my life better? Well, I'll tell you one thing you can do. There might be some people you need to walk away from in your life. Oh, my soul, I'm just trying to help you tonight. I come to help you. Did you come to get help? Trying to help you. There's just some people you're going to have to walk away from. If you let them be in your life, if you let them be a part of your life, your life will be constant misery and sorrow. And you're going to have to learn, hard as it may be, you might love them, you might care about them, you might want the best for them, you might be praying for them, but if you want a life that is not utter unmitigated misery, you're going to have to learn how to cut and walk away from because if you keep company with wickedness, it'll ruin and make misery right. of your life. Right. We've got to depart from it. We've got to separate from it. But notice this. I like this last three words uh, that in this little phrase we've read. I mean, if we could get this, uh, we wouldn't have to go to church quite so often. And do good. Do good. I could preach right there. And do good. Yeah. Bob Jones Sr., you say, do right if the stars fall. Do good. In other words, we've got to learn how to separate from wickedness, but we then also have to dedicate ourselves to righteousness. It's not enough to just, to just expel and expunge from our life the influence of wickedness. We've got to replace it with something. Is that not the truth and reality that Christ teaches in the parable of the man that has the spirits within him that, that, that uh, they're cast out and 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 he comes back, the spirit does and finds it clean and swept but empty and, and dead and, and goes and takes seven other spirits and the, that man's worse than when he started off. What is that teaching us? It's teaching us this, that evacuating immorality out of our lives without injecting within it the life of Christ is... A foolish and futile exercise. In other words, something's got to come out, but something's got to go in our life. Something comes out of our life, something's got to go in our life. I've often thought about some of the eastern mystic monks sitting right now even on some mountaintop garbed in in hair and and wool and, and a vow of silence upon them and thought to myself, what a tragedy. Imagine how Angry they'll feel when they wake up in hell and realize that the, the treachery with which Satan has deceived them. Because not only did they not know the true Son of God and the true light of the gospel of Christ, but He even robbed them of any temporal enjoyment they might have derived out of their life. In their life, hey, there's not a lot of immorality going on, but there ain't a lot of anything going on. It's just dead. We complain about dead churches, don't we? I do, anyways. Churches that that I, I mean that that there ain't no, they ain't doing nothing wrong. Preacher's not fooling around with the piano player, and and there's not any kind of scandal going on in it, and and, and, and but they're just dead. They're just dead, and we say, ah, oh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? But how often could that be true of your life or mine? No open scandal, no open sin, but just deadness, just not much of anything. Uh, One of the things we will be angriest about with ourselves when we step inside glory is how much time we wasted. And if you want to enjoy your life, hey, dedicate yourself to walking with the Lord and to serving. You'd be amazed how fun Christianity really is if you'd ever do it. You'd be amazed how much fun living for Christ is if you'd ever really do it. I don't mean this half in, half out thing. Listen, I'm not claiming I'm some bastion or example of this. I, I fail in more ways than you'd ever even know. But I am saying this, there's a great many people that have never really lived for Christ and then want to step back and say, well, that's a boring life living for Christ. How would you know? You've not done it. You'd be shocked. I mean, listen, that, that living for Christ is one of the most fulfilling, enjoyable, exciting things that you can ever possibly do. All those young people, I want you to listen to me. The greatest life you can live is a life lived for Jesus Christ. If you'll live and dedicate your life to Christ, you'll have more fun. I'm having more fun serving God than I ever had doing what the devil told me to do. I'm enjoying life more now than than the devil ever could have have hoped to to allow me to enjoy. I mean, I'm enjoying living for God. I'm not miserable in this thing. I'm rejoicing in this thing. I'm enjoying in this thing. I'm not surviving. I'm thriving in it. And part of that involves spurning the way of the wicked. You're going to have to make your mind up. There's people that will destroy your life if you let them have a part of it. And you've got to learn. You say, but preacher, I want to be compassionate. It's not being compassionate. It's being foolish. But preacher, I want to be compassionate. I want to help them. I want to help them. Well, have they been helped? If they haven't, could be because they don't want help. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to try to help them and help them and help them until they help you right into a mess. You'll have to learn how to separate from them. Dedicate yourself to righteousness. There's a third thing in this passage. He says, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. I like this next phrase. Let him seek peace and ensue it. You want to have a life that you love? You want to see good days? I do. I want to raise my kids. I, I want I want them to see by my example that there's no better life than a life lived for Christ. I want them to watch dad having fun living for Jesus Christ. Now, that may seem silly to you, but if you had a little five-year-old and little ten-year-old and you knew that the hounds of hell are snarling and howling and just waiting to rip them apart, it might mean something to you to want to teach your kids to, to live and enjoy the life that God's given them. And if I'm going to do that, there's some things I've got to do. And here's one of them. I've got to seek the path of peace. Seek the path of peace. There's people, I've I've known them, I, I've had I've had family in my life, I don't currently, presently, now, it's not what I'm implying, but I, I, we, a lot of my family, dad's side was pretty good, but mom's side was pretty trashy, and uh, she went over to start the coffee, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's hillbillies, like, not not hillbillies, like, fake Discovery Channel popcorn, so I'm talking about, like, rough people, like like, the kind of people you didn't want to trust, and you didn't want to be around. And there's some of them that's good people and, and, and some of them that's gracious people. And my grandmother actually in many ways broke that, that generational cycle and raised her, her kids for the glory of God. But a lot of them, man, they're rough. They're still rough. I mean, I got, I got, I got family, went to jail for things. They never even found out what it was about. They just came and said, you're a threat to society and threw them in, you know. And that's my heritage, amen. <laughs> the lines are falling under me in goodly place. And uh, some of them, they live their life. And just, they loved nothing more than an uproar. Not content unless somebody was mad. Unless somebody was fighting. I mean, I guess they was bored up in the hollers. That's all there was to do. So that's what they did. And just just enjoyed, craved after conflict. Craved after turmoil. Can I tell you, a lot of them didn't live enjoyable lives. A lot of them didn't live peaceful lives. A lot of them didn't live pleasant lives. And here's something you're going to have to do in your life. You're going to have to make your mind up on peace. That you don't want your life to be one one just constant conflagration, one constant chaos and turmoil. And there's people, that's how they live their life. And they'll make your life that if you let them. You have to make your mind up that you have a stewardship of the life that God has given you. And the life that God has given you is precious and you're not going to throw it away on the altar of constant chaos. Notice two things here. Number one, he says this. We ought to choose and prefer peace. Let him seek peace. You have to make your mind up that you want a peaceful life. You won't always be able. I mean, listen, Paul said as much as, as life in us, let us live peaceably with all men. I mean sometimes it don't matter how much you got in you, you can't live peaceably with people. I'm aware of that. If you don't think, I've, I li- I've pastored Baptist church 13 years. You think I ain't aware there's some people you just can't have peace with? I know that. But I'm saying in your life, you better be careful because you will allow the notion of chaos to become lionized and romanticized. And you will begin, your flesh feeds on it. The flesh feeds on chaos, on something going wrong, on something going bad all the time. And if you're not careful, you will begin to crave it and grow addicted to it. And it won't be long, your life. You'll find this. It's amazing. Some people can go through life and it seems like they don't have any problems. Other people can go through life and it seems like all they got is problems. You know, here's the truth of it. The person seems like they ain't got no problems. They got more than they let you know about. And the people that seem like they constantly got problems, they got less than they make you think they've got. But it's a question of what we have chosen to do with the life that God has given us. And the one has chosen peace. The other has chosen chaos. We've got to choose and prefer peace. Then I like this last phrase here. Let him seek peace and ensue it. We don't use that word very often today. You know what it means? It means to chase something down. That's what it means. To chase it and to pursue it. Can I tell you this? Peace is elusive in your life sometimes. There's people that make sure of that. They make sure that life, that peace is, is an elusive thing. And I wish I could say that it was always to have a peaceful life as simple as just deciding that you'd be okay with that. But the reality is there are times that you are going to have to dedicate yourself to having a peaceful life. But it, listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, praise God and pray for the rest of us. But some of you know what I mean. You'll have people in your life it's like trying to bat away a, a thousand hands to keep them from trying to destroy and disrupt the peace of the Lord that you have in your life. Sometimes it takes hard work to guard your home. Sometimes it takes hard work to guard your marriage. Sometimes it takes hard work to guard your kids. Can I tell you this? If you want a life you're going to enjoy, it's worth it. It's worth it. You'll have people, they'll tell you you ain't got no compassion. People that tell you you got small vision. People that tell you that you just don't love people. And they can keep telling you and telling you and telling you, but they ain't got to live the life that you got to live. And they're not accountable for your life the way you're accountable for your life. So you go ahead and get peace with God that you need to make the right choices to have a peaceful life and go on with God and let them answer the Lord for their life. And you make up your mind that you're going to serve the Lord and have peace day by day. Chase it and pursue it. You're going to have to seek after it. It won't just happen instantaneously. And automatically you're going to have to commit yourself to it. So we're going to have to suppress the treachery of the tongue. Spurn the way of the wicked. Seek the path of peace. But notice one final one and I'm done. Look at verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. This is what we call a summarizing statement. Peter, after describing all this, he says, this is why all this matters. Because the Lord's watching over the righteous and he's withstanding the wicked. I would say this in our life. You really want to have a peaceful life? You want to enjoy your life? Submit to the leadership of the Lord. Learn how to bow the knee to him. If you don't, you're going to have a hard life. And what a waste it'll be because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So here's what he says. He says this. He points to the watch care of the Lord over the righteous. I like it, man. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Bible tells me his eyes run to and fro, beholding the the evil and the good. And so the Lord is not unaware of anything. So evidently, when Peter says they're over the righteous, he means this not just as a matter of God's perception, but rather as as a matter of God's providence. And what he's saying is when a person commits themselves to walk with the Lord and to live for the Lord, the Lord, he's watching over them. I want the Lord watching over my life. Not just overwatching my life, but watching over my life. I've often marveled at the things that God had fixed before I ever even knew it was broken. The things that God had solved before I ever even knew it was a problem. Why is that? Well, he's watching over the righteous. And guess what? His ears are open unto their prayer. When there's things we need, we can talk to him. When there's things we don't understand, we can ask him about it. And one of the most precious things about living this life is living it in communion with the Creator and enjoying his fellowship. He points to his watch care over the righteous, but then his withstanding of the wicked. He says this, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You know, in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, God makes some promises to his people. And he says this. He says that uh, those that follow him and and are righteous and walk with him, he says he'll help them and he'll bless them and he'll walk with them. But here's what he says about those that are wayward. He said that he would walk contrary to them. Contrary to them. People might say sometimes, well, preacher, I just feel like God's against me. Well, he might be. Oh, that's all right. I didn't say it because I thought you'd amen it. Preacher, I, the god it just feels like God's against me. Well, He might be. That doesn't mean He doesn't want what's best for you. Right. Amen. But if you're living in wickedness because He wants what's best for you, He'll withstand you. Amen. Right. He will resist the proud and give grace to the humble. He, he, he will withstand and He'll be against them that do evil. I'll tell you, part of the reason that men's lives don't succeed is because God doesn't want what they call success to succeed. And sometimes the very thing that you, preacher, why won't God let me do this? Well, that might not be what success is in your life. But preacher, I want this. I know. But that might not be what God wants for you. But preacher, this is what I dream of. This is what I desire. Yeah. But it might not be what's best for you. It could be that in your life, because of disobedience, God's withstanding you. It could be in your life, because of uh, disillusionment that God's withstanding you. But I'll tell you this, if you want your life to go well, Learn how to walk with God instead of walking contrary to Him. Learn how to put your life in submission to Him. It's a hard life to fight God. We get to heaven one day and 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 I, you'll be there. I know because you said you'd be there. I want you to ask Jonah how it feels. How fun is it to run from God? How fun is it to run from God? fun, isn't it? I, I, listen, I, I understand that there was no prodigal in the far country, but I think there's going to be a lot of prodigals that have been in the far country when we get to heaven. And and some of y'all in this room, you've been prodigals in the far country. How fun is it down there in the far country? It's awful, isn't it? I, I bet you wish you'd have that time back. I bet you. Hey, listen, we 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 look at at the time Jonah spent in the belly of the whale a lot more fondly than he probably does. Stands as an eternal testimony to his pig-headedness and stubbornness and willfulness. And he'd probably say, if there's any part of the Bible I could take out, it'd be Jonah chapters 1 and 2. Wish I could just wipe it from the record of Scripture. And it never gone that way. Hardest season of his life. And I'll tell you, if you want your life to be hard, it don't take much. Just live addicted to chaos and drama and nonsense live and walk in willfulness and and wickedness and unrighteous let your tongue just run wild say anything that comes to your mind uh, go ahead and just 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 bow up against god and go your own way and do your own thing that's what hollywood tells you is romantic and noble in the first place go ahead and do that and you'll have a miserable life but if you can learn to bring your tongue into subjection to the holy spirit if you can learn to spurn wickedness and walk in righteousness if you can learn in your life to to commit yourself to peace and to pursue it and to seek it and to put yourself under the authority of God, it won't be a boring life. It'll be a blessed life and it'll be a life that you'll love. That's the life I want for me and my family, my kids. That's the life I'm praying for for you. I wonder what life you're choosing to have on this Sunday evening. Let's bow together. As a musician comes to play, the altar is open and I want to invite you, if God touched your heart about some matter, would you meet him down in this altar? I'm not asking you to get up and give a speech or make God any promises. I'm just asking you, if God spoke to you about it, it must be pretty important. So why don't you respond in obedience to him this evening? Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Bless this time, we ask it in Christ's name.